2: Hey, Tommy, it's been a busy week here at TFL HQ because,
3: well, on this episode of TFL Talk, what are we talking about? We are talking about Broncos. We're talking about our Bronco in specific and what the one-month ownership experience has been like. But we also came back from the Overland Expo Mountain West. We saw some really cool things, saw some not some cool things, uh, and we talked to some neat people. And we'll talk about some of the trends we saw, both good and bad, in the off-road world. You buried the lead. You got to drive the brand-new 2022 Toyota Tacoma.
2: That's true. (laughs) You took it off-road, you took it on-road. But we
3: we have a full Now video about that as well. Oh, really? So are we not talking about the Tacoma? Well, we can, but it's not as interesting as probably some of the other things that... Oh, I do beg to differ, Tommy.
2: I think the people out there want to know about the Tacoma.
3: They painted it green. That is the end of the Tacoma discussion (laughs) for 2022.
2: (laughs) Well, it's not just green, it's a very greeny green it's
3: electric like, line there you go if you want to go deep into detail that's a bright
2: green it's like that mustang gotta have a green or the sublime the dodge does this is that
3: green yes but Some I people did, would say too green i did take it off road for a few days and uh basically the new pro has a slightly revised suspension setup and it's bright green all right well before we get to more info on the Tacoma.
2: There's no other info. That is all the info. Forerunner. You also had the Forerunner. We'll get to that. And, <laughs> and, the, and the Mountain West Overland Expo. We've now owned uh, the TFL Bronco. Thank you to Tim and thank you to uh, the charity that we're helping to support, which of course is the Ronald McDonald House. So if you guys want to support a great charity, uh, please check out the Ronald
3: McDonald House, a home away from home for sick families and their kids. That is absolutely right. So we took delivery of our first edition Bronco on July 24th of 2021. So we've had it for about a month now. We have driven it quite a bit. We've taken it on and off-road. We replaced the top on it. And we'll tell you about all that right now. And we towed we with it. Very briefly, Andre and I did. Yeah, we spent a day towing around a, uh, a camping trailer. So
2: a lot has happened since we actually got our Bronco. And let's talk about that. First of all,
3: Ford has stopped taking online reservations for Broncos. Well, yeah, they just have so many, I think, and they cannot build um, all the trucks that they want to for all the people that are holding reservations. That i uh, That's my opinion, I think, of why they discontinued the reservation system. Well, the online one, right? Yes. I mean, I think what they're saying is if you want to get your hands on a Bronco, go talk to your dealer for more info. Yeah. And then they also sent out hammocks, Tommy, to every reservation holder. Yep. For those that haven't got their Broncos, um, there's been a stream of patches and stickers and now hammocks that are coming your way to make up for the fact that you are not driving your new rig. Yeah. And immediately people put those up on eBay. (laughs) Like, if I can't have my ego, if I can't
2: have my Bronco, I'm going to sell this uh, hammock to the highest bidder. Cash Uh, (laughs) out on the hammock. And of course, Ford has also announced uh, that they are completely replacing the top on all the hard top Broncos. So the company that builds them in Wombasto is, I guess, re-engineering it. They built the whole factory to build the tops, but the top that we got, as you know, uh, sounded like a little dwarf mine going up above our heads. A little tick, 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 tick. So we immediately replaced it, put on a best top, which turned out to be great. I love our best top, soft top. Uh, it's got a built-in bimini top. Uh, And it solved that problem, but if you are a Bronco holder or if you have your Bronco uh, Then you are gonna get a brand new top from Ford
3: and a lot of the issue has been a delamination of the panels So basically there's this honeycombing that'll happen as the uh, panel starts to separate from each other even after a few months of ownership So Ford is doing the right thing and apparently letters are gonna start going out in October About when you can get your new top if you're watching this as a video You'll look over Tom's shoulder and you'll see that
2: that's the soft top that we put on the best top I actually uh, I'm not a fan of the way the hardtop looked it kind of looked like one of those old bowler hats that guys used to wear in the 1930s right it was a little kind of clunky a little uh stodgy it just wasn't the great looking top so i hope that they when they do re- redesign it that they actually come up with something that's a little bit more streamlined a little bit more aero a little bit less like you know something that uh i don't know some something like dude out of 1930 would wear
3: I completely disagree. I think that the Bronco hardtop is fantastic. Uh, I really like the design. I like the modular components that it makes up. I'm not discussing the mod. I think the modular is great. But the design, what do you want? It's a square. How do you make a square look better? So
2: I agree with you, Tom. You're absolutely right. The way that it functions is smart, right? So you've got the front two panels, which are like the Freedom Tops on a Wrangler that come off, and then you can get sunshine into the driver and passenger, and then you've got another panel that comes off, which allows you to get sunshine or fresh air into the back seat, and then, unlike the uh, Wrangler, you don't have this giant one-piece top that you basically need, uh, you know, a cherry picker to, 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 to take off the thing.
3: So, where is the complaint coming from?
2: The look of it. The, the look is just, look when it's on, it's like just Like the looks, color? The color is horrible, because they stopped doing the body-colored ones, which we were supposed to get in the first edition, because, well production issues, and there's this kind of lip that
3: forms at the bottom of it, which just
2: looks really ugly.
3: I disagree. I think it's a beautiful top, and I think it's very well-engineered. It's just not very well-assembled. So hopefully they fix the assembly part of it and make it very, very good because a lot of folks... I think the vast majority of folks are hoping to get a hard top on their open-top Broncos. All right, so
2: let's talk about what we've done with our Bronco, in case you have been following the saga. We first took it up and over Red Cone. Uh, then uh, you took it uh, over to uh, Wheeler Lake, which are both like uh, 7 out of 10 in terms of off-road trails. Uh, then Andre took it up and over the Ike Gauntlet. Uh, and today, actually, we're taking it to compare to the new uh uh, TRD forerunner uh, up imaging so that video will be coming
3: soon as well and I got to say as an off-roader Tommy It's pretty phenomenal one of the best on the market absolutely tons of ground clearance the 35 inch tall tires from the factory are an Incredible thing. It's got a lot of underbody protection decent articulation of course locking diffs. It is uh, certainly as good as in most situations as the top of the line Wrangler Rubicon, so yeah, they nailed the capability. Yeah, we've got the first edition
2: which they threw the kitchen sink at, uh, so we have every conceivable option on it, including, like you said, the Sasquatch package, which gives us those 35s, beadlock K- B- ready wheels, uh, uh, You know that, that, that where it drags the rear wheel, what does Ford call that?
3: Turn assist? Yeah, trail turn assist, I think it's called, and it also has the front stay bar disconnect, which is a, basically a sway bar disconnect in the front for a little bit of better articulation, but off-road it is very good, it's a little bit wide and it's a little bit heavy, certainly that is a concern, but they really did a nice job with going full enchilada on the capability.
2: Yeah, under the hood we have the uh, 2.7 liter uh Ecoboost which is out of the uh, F-150 produces just over 300 horsepower. Uh, we're going to do a fuel economy test I just drove it uh, pretty far over, I just drove it to the expo and back and then we drove it up to the mountains and back and the truck says we're getting 20 mpg Combined we're gonna actually find out if that's true when we do a typical TFL test So stay tuned for that that'll be part of the imaging off-road comparison to the 4Runner. Uh But yeah, I, I'm very happy with the truck. I'm actually very happy with the best top It's a little bit louder than the hard top, but not too much much, not too much louder, and uh, like you know, we sh- we stop, we show it to people, and everybody just seems to think that Ford. You know, really did a good job in bringing kind of the heritage of the Bronco into the modern world with this one and building a really strong Wrangler competitor. For me, a uh, couple things that I really love about a Tommy. Uh, first and foremost, it has lumbar support and, you know, seats that are electrically adjustable. So uh, with the Wrangler, I, I, I always feel like I can never get, keep in mind I'm 6'2", and I've got this weird, like, long torso Short legs, but I could never feel like I can get far enough away from the windscreen. And by the way, just like the the Wrangler windscreen, this one is really good at killing bugs. Mm. Really good, yeah. Very yeah. true. Yeah, straight up. So you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be up. bug-murder when you get this thing. Uh, The other thing I like about it is the big screen in the center.
3: Um, How big is it? Do you know how many inches is? 12-inch screen is the optional screen in the Bronco.
2: Yeah, yeah, and they've got this kind of split screen where you can do like navigation on one side and then like radio or your settings or vice versa, you can flip them around. Uh, That's really cool. Uh, I'm not as impressed by the dashboard infotainment. So on the left side, you've got a traditional speedometer. And then you've got a digital speedometer as well that then has a digital RPM uh, meter. Uh, And the RPM meter is, like we were discussing yesterday, not really well designed because it goes up. It's like a digital, uh, almost it looks like... uh, Thermometer. Or or I was thinking like like, uh, audio levels, right, when they go up and down. Um, and the problem with that is it's just hard to tell what the RPMs are. It's just like, well, it hasn't hit the red yet, so I guess I'm not at the red line yet. I wish they had actually made the speedometer the RPM meter and then kept the digital speedometer and used some of that extra real estate for other things. I
3: think that is a very good observation, but other pros, it's got some of the best seats in the off-road industry, so I think they're both better than the Jeep and the Toyota seats, They've done a great job with the cargo area, so it is a large vehicle, but you have a ton of space in the back to carry things. One area that's a little bit of a shame is there is a lip, a step up between the cargo floor and the back of the rear seat, so there is a little bit of a hump, but apart from that, huge amounts of cargo capacity back there, and pretty decent rear seat legroom, pretty much on par with, I think, both the Jeep and the Toyota.
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, It's... um it's just, my impressions of it are, it's a very wide vehicle. I'm not sure it's, I want to say, uh, did you know that I think, uh, I was looking at the numbers, I want to say the 4Runner is actually the longest of the three. So it goes, I think 4Runner, then uh, in terms of length, I want to say it's like 170 inches, maybe, I'm, I'm picking this out of my memory, so I could be wrong, but I remember the 4Runner is the longest, uh, then the Bronco, and then the Jeep. Uh, so... You'd think the 400 is actually smaller, but in terms of length, it's actually longer. Uh, but size-wise, uh, you know, I, I have no complaints. My We have that, that kind of bimini with a bikini top, and my head doesn't hit that, even though it's built into the vehicle, which is great. Uh, I also like the fact that it has a volume control, oh, my God, and a tuning knob. Both, you know, you know they're disappearing from all vehicles, which is really cool. Um, uh, from a build and construction point of view, I think it's okay. It's typical Ford. You know, it doesn't feel like rock solid like a Mercedes, maybe, but at the same time, it doesn't quite feel as well thrown together as a Tesla might, where you, every time you close the door, you, you feel like something's going to fall off of it. Uh, I also like the the kind of the seating position. I think you know you're sitting up very high in this vehicle, so you're almost at the level of like a Ford Raptor, which is pretty crazy when you think about it.
3: So some other things I'm not a big fan
2: of. I don't like the audio system. It still isn't very good. We've got the upgraded one. Ours was, by the way, in case you're wondering, 63,000 as um, configured.
3: And I really don't like the hoop on the front end of the vehicle. I don't understand its purpose. Basically, there's kind of like... Is it a push bar? Is it supposed to be a stinger? But it's this hoop that connects from one end of the bumper to the other and then extends all the way up almost to the top of the grill and back down. And I just don't see the purpose of the hoop. It doesn't feel like a structural member. It doesn't have any mounting locations on it for lights, at least. Not that I, uh, I have seen with little tabs. So I'm not really sure what the purpose of that hoop is. So maybe get it without the hoop. Yeah, uh, and then I do like the fact that I
2: think we have six auxiliary switches, so I think at some point That's we're going to have good. to start adding auxiliary things like lights, uh, but the lights are way cool the way that turn signal integrates into the headlights where it, it's a, like a vertical, I mean a horizontal line that goes into the, uh, the round signature uh, LED circle around the headlights is really cool. Um, so some some of my misses uh, that 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 I kind of you know don't like uh, the interior uh, is not sixty three thousand Tommy you mm. got to admit that right that that is a thirty thousand dollar interior in a sixty thousand dollar vehicle
3: yeah but the commenters are going to say it doesn't matter it's an off-roader
2: <laughs> yes but like some of the stuff is pretty goofy so uh, I, I'm kind of anal about dust and such and there's this kind of like. Uh, sticky, rubberized uh, material that's on top of the dashboard. Uh, And yesterday, I decided that it was too dusty, so I went and got one of those uh, um, wipe cloths, you know, that that, that already come pre...
3: I think the word you're looking for is wet wipe. Yeah, it
2: was a wet wipe meant to, and, and I and I and I, you know, did a really good job on top of that to clean it off. And then I'm driving home, and I'm like, "Good God, it looks like a baby puked up on it. It just doesn't wipe off." Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's true. Right? It doesn't doesn't. The material is like it, it like seems to hold on to dust. It's like and a then tec- just you swish well, it around. You don't pick it up.
3: It's like a textured plastic on the top of the dashboard.
2: And the one that really bugs me is uh, in the armrest. You open it up, and there's a little tiny like tray. Uh, that looks like uh, it would be something that was in a box uh, that you'd throw away after you got whatever was in that tray. It's that cheap.
3: Yeah, there's certainly some cost-cutting going on on the interior, I agree. And I think that there's like a misconception that Because it's an off-roader, it has to be, um, you know, kind of poorly constructed. And then if it's a luxury vehicle, it has to have quality. But I don't think that's mutually exclusive things. I think you can have a a beautifully constructed interior in an off-roader. But I'm not sure that the Ford is an example of that. However, the touch points generally are very nice. The steering wheel feels good. The seat material itself, we've got the leather seats, are quite nice. Although I think the dark blue is a weird choice. Go with the orange. Um, Yeah, that's kind of an odd choice. But... Uh, Bronco colors. Navy Pier is the color of the interior, which I think is a first edition thing.
2: Yeah, I don't know, man. It's like, unless you're you're a huge Broncos fan, the the purple-ish and orange color, which is actually yellow. The orange isn't really orange. It isn't yellow. It's called Cyber Orange. But it's really yellow. Everybody calls it yellow.
3: That's a... You're gonna make some Bronco owners mad. There. I'm just the telling you, big yeah, contentious I, I, point. On I'm the just telling you, we
2: stop. People look and they go, "Oh, love the yellow Bronco," and I'm like, "It's orange," and they're like, "Look at me, like I'm crazy." So. It does.
3: It, it, it does contrast nicely with the black grill and the black mirror. so
2: Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then uh, uh, the other thing I'm a little disappointed about, and it does tow well, so the part I'm disappointed about is that the first edition was supposed to come with the tow stuff and then they stripped it out of it, probably because of payload, because it had so much already luxury and uh, features in it, so we had to go put the tow hitch back on it, which wasn't cheap, so we got the Ford one, we had to get the wiring, it was like $850 job, Oof. which I think apparently now is normal, because we're going to be paying $750 to do the Subaru, so... I guess this is the brave new world that we're living in. But it only tows 3,500 pounds, uh, which seems, you know, competitive with the Wrangler. But for an engine that's out of the F-150, that 2.7 liter, which will tow, I think, at least nine or 10,000, it seems it seems really down on on towing capability for such a big and wide and heavy truck. Usually it has to do with cooling.
3: Yeah, I should have asked the engineer. Maybe I'll make a note of that. But that would be an interesting conversation to figure out why it isn't higher, because the 4 is 5,000. And then the Ranger, which has a smaller engine than ours and is loosely related to the Bronco, is up to 7,500 pounds, which is a much much higher tow rating than what the uh, Ford can do. And it's not like if you get the smaller tires on the Bronco, you can do more than 3,500. 3,500 is the max um, in the best configuration.
2: Yeah, and uh, we did, like I said, a tow test. You can watch that. It's over uh, up at TFL Car, and it did tow really well. I mean. I, I want to say it got, like, uh, the usual amount of brake applications, and it certainly didn't struggle with uh, the 2,500-pound trailer. It was an off-road trailer we were towing. Uh, so thanks to our friends of Boreas, they lent us that trailer.
3: I think that video is actually on TFL Truck.
2: Is it on TFL Truck? Okay, mm-hmm. so it's on truck. Anyway, if you want to see how it tows, uh, it did really well. So I'm, I'm just a little disappointed that it doesn't have, you know, at least a $5,000, 5,000-pound $5, £5, tow rating. Uh, I'm impressed by the shocks, Tommy, and the tires. I think that those uh, tires are really good. Uh, Goodyear, what are they called? The, Goodyear
3: Territory. I think they're MTs. I think they're MTs.
2: Yeah, I don't, the the the, the treads, You know, we've only put on I want to say 1,600 miles so far. We've had about a month, but uh, so far they're holding up really well. Uh, for 35s, uh, the 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 the, the Bill Stein Bilstein Stein, uh, reservoir shocks seem to do a really good job in controlling it both on and off road. I like the fact that they're yellow and they match the uh, orange color of the Bronco, but it's cool seeing them underneath there. Uh, The skid plates have gotten a workout. The only part that is kind of weird is that where it hangs, the little hanger for the uh, rear suspension, we've hit that a few times, right? And it's already starting to rust a little bit.
3: So that is the mount for the rear trailing arms uh, where it mounts to the frame, but that isn't uncommon. That is a low hanging part of the vehicle. The other part of the vehicle, which does hang a little low, are the um, front shock mounts, as they connect to the lower control arms is a concern, but it actually turns out even in the um, operating we've done, it doesn't seem to be an issue. Now the other cool thing about the first edition, so the first edition I think was limited to somewhere around 7,000. It was like 3,500 initially. Exactly right. And then it doubled to 7,000. You do get some cool stickers, and I didn't think I'd like the stickers, but you get the cool side graphics on the door, a very cool hood graphic. and then the weird blue interior. But the, the graphics do look very nice on both the doors and the hood. And I do like looking over the hood. It's so wide and flat. And then
2: I know it's got these like little um, eyelets uh, on the leading fender. On the wings, as you British would say. And those are meant to be like used to hook cables that go to the roof, so if you're in Borneo, you don't have branches that break your windshield. <laughs> the limb uh, risers. But, the, yeah. but I, call them, I call them gun sights, and it's pretty cool. You can kind of line up the gun sight with other cars and uh, or line it up with the lane lines. It's, it's a really cool feature, just a fun way to look over the hood. Uh, and I think people are going to really enjoy those. I'm glad they did those, because you spend a lot of time looking at it when you're driving it.
3: So the 2.7 certainly is not a very good sounding engine on the outside. No. But I think there is some augmentation going on, because when you drive yeah. it, it sounds pretty cool on the inside. Um, so that is a pretty cool and kind of crummy thing. But we'll have to wait and see how the longer term reliability is with the 2.7. It's been around, as you mentioned, Ed, in the F-150 for a number of years now, and I think it's got a pretty good track record. But I will say, if you're gonna go Sasquatch with the 35s on the Bronco, and you live at elevation like we do here in Denver at 5,000 feet, the bigger engine is probably a must, because I think that the smaller 2.3 would have a harder time lugging around those big tires.
2: Yeah, we were having this conversation, you know, there's now, of course, an Escape and then they based the Bronco Sport on the Escape and now there's the full on Bronco. Uh, And uh, every time I see a Bronco Sport, which is, of course, the Escape version, uh, I kind of feel like, uh, I I feel bad because I kind of feel like the people in there are looking at the full size Bronco like, you know, why didn't we get this? So do you think that the Bronco will hurt uh, Bronco Sport sales or do you think it'll hurt Escape sales (laughs) or both or none? (laughs)
3: Well, I think a lot of people driving Bronco Sports don't know that they don't have the big size Bronco. <laughs> That's what
2: I'm saying. When I pull up next to one, I look down on them, and they look up at me. The look on their face is, like, rather dejected. I feel bad.
3: No, I, I think, honestly, that a lot of people uh, buying Bronco Sports were in the market for a... A small crossover? that Yeah, like, like a RAV4 yeah. or an Escape. I mean, I think the Bronco Sport has pretty much single-handedly killed the Escape for a lot of folks. I don't really know why you would buy an Escape nowadays over a Bronco and the, Sport. And let's face it, the Bronco
2: Sport is probably one of the best. We've tested it off-road in that segment very good yeah it's really good it's got the goat mode that we have as well uh and it it does everything you'd want a small crossover to do but when you pull up with a full-size bronco of 35 i mean look the tires are almost as big as the darn car's hood right i mean that's how much bigger the bronco is
3: but keep in mind too we're talking about a very different price segment and a very different um, buying rationale, so a Bronco Sport is going to be uh, much smaller, much more maneuverable, much more affordable, cheaper to run in terms of fuel economy as well. I wish they had the hybrid system out of the Escape in the Bronco Sport, and if they did that, I think there'd be no reason for the Escape to exist, um, but but that's just my personal opinion. Because the Escape um, in the previous generation uh, was a little bit more squared off, and then before that was a little bit more squared off, and like the very first Escape was basically a Bronco Sport. Um, the very early ones from like the 1990s. And I think that um, Ford basically just reinvented that first generation Escape as a Bronco Sport. As the escape has gotten more round and soft over the years
2: now for all of you guys and gals out there who have wranglers you may be wondering well how does it stack up to a wrangler i would say that on road there is no doubt that the bronco is better mm. uh, on, on center field with that independent front <sighs> suspension is better tommy it just it just it just doesn't wander down the road as much as a wrangler it's would.
3: a little better so i drove with andre well, you, you got a wrangler i drove the bronco on the 33s in texas and that one was way better than the Wrangler, no doubt. But when you put 35s on it, a lot of the benefit of the Bronco over the Wrangler disappears. I mean, you put 35s on everything on anything, and you're going to numb out the steering and it's going to become yeah, a like little big, bit more willowy, willowy, have like got kind of
2: like kind of whooshy, squishy. You know, it's the exact opposite of like your
3: Mini GP, which is precise and tactile. Now it becomes kind of like balloony. Yes. So you put you put those balloons on any vehicle, even a Miata, and it's not going to drive as well. So I agree with you that the Bronco is better. Our Bronco is probably a little better than my Wrangler on-road, but not hugely so. The steering is better. Um, the composure over expansion joints at speed, however, is marginally better. I'm not sure. I think they're both pretty bad, actually. You should yeah. try that 4 though. Yeah. That forerunner, I think, is better than both of them, Yeah, um, by, far. I by mean, far. As an on-road vehicle. As an on-road vehicle, the TRD Pro is, yeah. I still Agreed. think, the best in the off-road segment from an on-road standpoint. I completely agree, Tommy. And then uh, off-road, I'm going to give the advantage to the Wrangler. I think the Wrangler is still better
2: off-road. I think the biggest issue is uh, the Bronco, uh, whether it is much wider or whether it feels much wider, it just is much wider in my head. Uh, and so I, I kind of like the uh, more... I'm gonna say agricultural nature, tool-like nature of the of the Wrangler. I feel like the Wrangler. Agricultural. Wrang- I feel like, yeah like that's I, harsh. No, I don't mean no, I don't mean <laughs> that in a bad way. I mean I think like 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 you know like tractors and once again this has kind of come off the wrong way, but tractors are designed to be really good at doing things that tractors do. Uh, and so, if you want to use something that is not a tractor to do tractor stuff, you're better off with a tractor. And that's what I mean. It, it, the, the Wrangler is just so good off road. It is so capable, and even out of the box, so immediately like easy to use, and you and almost fearless in its approach to off roading. Uh, the Bronco doesn't quite have that that same kind of natural athletic ability off road. It, it'll do it, uh, but I just think that the, the 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 Wrangler is just like you know, it's like it's like the for My generation, the Michael Jordan of basketball, it just does everything so well off road.
3: I disagree. Okay. <laughs> because it depends, off road is such a wide spectrum. That's true. I mean, we the kind of off roading we do in Colorado There's is rock a lot of,
2: climbing and trail running. Yeah,
3: a lot of slow speed over big rocks and through holes. But you have and, to admit the Wrangler excels at that. It's, it, I'm no doubt, but I have also little doubt that the Bronco is nearly, if not as good, as the Rubicon. It really is an amazing machine. Look, once again, you put 35s on everything, on anything, and it's gonna be pretty amazing off-road. And I think that Ford has done an excellent job. Like the locker engagement on the Bronco, way better than the Wrangler. The sway bar disconnect operation on the Ford, way better than the Wrangler. I think the Wrangler articulates better, for sure, especially Rubicon with the sway bar disconnected. I think it articulates better, and no doubt the size is a massive advantage where we live. But if you live in Arizona, and you have much wider, more open trails with higher speeds, the Ford's going to do better than the Jeep. Yeah, so one of the
2: things we want to do is, uh, you know, the the Bronco has GOAT mode, right, which is goes over any terrain, not greatest of all time. Uh, And like it's got like rock and sand, snow and mud, rock crawling. And so we want to do a test of all those. So we want to go into the sand with it. We want to go into the rocks with it. We want to go into the snow with it and do it in one video. So we're hoping to get that done. Uh, but it's going to take a little bit of time to produce that video to have, you know, all those different goat modes. And we're going to give it a little bit of a spin and make it fun. But uh, yeah, I just I just feel like, at least for the kind of off-roading we do, uh, the Wrangler is still the king. And the other way that the Wrangler is the king is in terms of engine choices. Right now in the Wrangler, do you have five... Yeah, yeah, you've got a lot of them. Yeah, you've got the 3.6, sure. you've got the uh, oh, I diesel. Got, I got them. Right. I think I can do them faster.
3: 3.92. Okay, ready? 3.6, 3 3.0-liter oh, three diesel, 3.92, 4xE, and then there's also an e-torque version of the 3.6, so really you have five or six different versions. So, yes, a lot more in terms of choice, but I think that Ford has offered two very potent engine choices. You can get it with the 10-speed auto, or you can get it with the 7-speed manual both of which are more gears than you can get in the Jeep. It's worth noting as well. From a value standpoint, you get a lot more standard features in the Ford. So standard air conditioning, standard power windows, standard power mirrors, which are still an option in the Jeep, which I like because I'm a time traveler from the 1880s. But uh, for most people, I think power windows are probably a good thing in 2021. I will say this too. I just spent last week off-roading in the Tacoma and the Forerunner, and I forget what a machine the Forerunner is.
2: Yeah, great transition, Tommy. I was feeling sad for our Toyota fans out there. Let's go and talk about the the. the obviously, they're still a driving impression on the new Tacoma, right? You can't talk about how it drives, can you?
3: No, there's still an embargo on the new Tacoma, but um, I will say there's not a lot of changes to the Tacoma. It's still a third-gen Tacoma, but I can talk all I want about the forerunner.
2: All right, so so when is the driving impressions embargo on the Tacoma?
3: You'll see the video up on Tiavel Offroad later this week. So at the uh, okay. more probably at the end of this week, maybe. But
2: if you're expecting major changes, I'm not going to say anything. But you can, I mean, you can tell what they did, right? They gave it a little bit more more lift right two more inches
3: of like lift? an inch and a half inch think, and a half you know? of
2: lift they stamped Tacoma on the back of the tailgate and they
3: painted it green and they
2: painted it green so you can kind of surmise what that means for driving impressions but
3: um, I can talk about the Forerunner the 21 Forerunner and I drove the beans off of that model you know what the Forerunner is Tommy what
2: the Forerunner is like an old shoe
3: once again you're really going you're trying to say nice things about these vehicles but it they're is, coming up no, as it's, very it's negative it's like an
2: old shoe it's comfortable it's very comfortable It's not the most stylish thing out there because let's face it, it's been around forever. Uh, You know, I I mean, this time I'm not trying to say really nice things. I'm just trying to be honest about it. What other vehicle you know that still has a five-speed? Is there any? Are there any? How many vehicles now actually have five-speed automatic? I, I can only think of maybe two others. What are the? What are the two others? I can't think of them now. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, come on, you know?
3: Yeah, but it's... Uh, that four liter, I love, but it's ancient. <laughs> the old shoe. Yes. Next, you're going like, to be like, you're going to be like, ah, yes, the Toyota Tacoma. It's nostalgic, like tuberculosis. I, Th- what, that's going to be the what, next thing you're going to say. By the way,
2: what, what job did you have in your 1880s life there? What were you?
3: I was um, in charge of putting buckles on shoes and hats. <laughs> I was the bucklesmith. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You, no, but you, I do. You,
2: you weren't sheep shearing or
3: something no, like that. No, not sheep shearing. <laughs> no. I do appreciate the um, uh, old shoe analogy, and I think there is something there. Maybe not an old shoe. Maybe like a Conver. It's like, you know, a Chuck Taylor. It's a classic design. It doesn't need to be updated. And genuinely, I I still think that the Tacoma Tier D Pro, sorry, I genuinely think that the Forerunner Tier D Pro is one of the best looking um, SUVs on the market. It looks. Phenomenal.
2: So first of all, if you live in Colorado uh, and you come here and you move here, one of the uh, things that the state makes you do before they issue a driver's license is you have to attest that you've owned a forerunner in your life. Yeah. If you have an old one, you can't live here.
3: Or a green Subaru. (laughs) And if you're uh, trying to move to Boulder, they make sure you've owned uh, some of those. What are those sandals called?
2: Uh, birkenstocks
3: birkenstocks yeah that's the one
2: well we've had uh, we've actually owned a forerunner unless every colorado resident has had
3: yep when i was a little baby <laughs> yeah but uh so, as, the,
2: so they're part of kind of the dna of, of colorado
3: yeah and you do see them everywhere but you see them everywhere for a reason. so the fifth gen has been around for eight nine years something like that they have facelifted it but it still has the amazing four liter v6 which toyota just will not kill and I'm glad well, thank for thank God, it. actually. I love yeah. that. Better than the 3.5 in the Tacoma. Brilliant little engine. Naturally aspirated. Um, just about unkillable. That five-speed automatic, just about unkillable. Um, the whole drivetrain is super, super sorted.
2: And it's all packaged in a very family-slash-dog-slash-cat-slash-hamster package, right? I mean, it's, it's the perfect... If you're a lifestyle-seeking, adventurous individual, or family, this is the perfect vehicle. It will fit your lifestyle like a glove.
3: But if you are into the off-road world, I was amazed by how capable it still is. So locking rear diff, it's got GOAT modes essentially, Toyota calls it multi-terrain select, and it's got crawl control, but uh, the locking rear diff, the uh, off-road suspension, the small wheels, I want to say they're like 16s, <laughs> yes. uh, with big old tires means that... Which is perfect, actually. Yeah, you've got a monster amount of sidewall, great uh, grip on the trails, good underbody protection. Like, they just go everywhere.
2: And, but- and, and unlike the Bronco, which doesn't have this yet, there's a huge aftermarket world. Not as quite as big as a Wrangler, but nevertheless, if you have either a Tacoma or a 4Runner, uh, you will have a plethora of choices for either lifting it or customizing it or, you know... Rackizing it or winchizing it or bumperizing it, whatever you want, that world is just
3: huge. Plus, I do have to say, both the Wrangler and the Bronco have side mounted swing gates that open to the passenger side. Yep. The Forerunner bra- uh, has a traditional lift up trunk, and I still think that is way more convenient. It's easier in tighter spots. And the benefit is, if it's raining, the trunk will offer some protection from the elements when you're trying to get stuff out of the storage area. Yeah, and I'm talking out of my
2: own experience here, but the Forerunner will outlast both of those combined.
3: Yeah, I think that's fair fair to say. <laughs> and you can roll the rear window down you can't People roll forget the window that. Down, yeah. I did that on the trip and half the journalists were like, "Oh my god, I totally forgot about that." But that's <laughs> the first thing you have to do in a 4Runner. Roll the rear window down
2: and have your dog stick his head out. <laughs> Great vehicle. And you're ready for Colorado. I love the 4Runner. Get, get the green and white plates.
3: <laughs> now, the tech is looking a little dated, although something worth noting standard adaptive cruise control standard lane keep assist and all the Toyota safety sets.
2: Toyota's putting all the safety stuff which is great. Uh, This is something uh, Wrangler you should be doing. Uh, There's no reason not to have safety equipment.
3: Ford is not doing it either. I think it's an option on the base Fords too.
2: I know it's great that the Japanese are putting in all this you know, you put the most precious thing in, in your life into the vehicles that you own, including yourself. I'm of course speaking of your family and your friends, but uh, it should be as safe as possible. Things like autonomous braking, just a no brainer. You
3: know what I mean? Yep. And it also is worth noting that the foreigner is the only one of the trio we're talking about today that you can buy in two wheel drive. I misspoke. Autonomous emergency braking. Sorry. Autonomous I, braking. I, think I didn't want people fair thinking statement. it just breaks. Did you it know you to. can get a rear wheel drive? Uh,
2: I did not know. Is there still that that available? Oh, yes. So if you live in Florida or let's say SoCal and you're yep. never going to see
3: snow, it doesn't matter. It does start more expensive in four wheel drive than the Ford or the Jeep. I think it's like mid 30s starting for a Forerunner, but it's a very, very good vehicle. And that transitions us to the last topic of the day, which I want to talk about because we. The fact that you can't get any of these right now? So you could probably get a 4Runner. You can't get a Bronco. Well, you Bronco's
2: certainly, the debacle. You certainly, we just drove by the Jeep dealership. All they have are the brand new Jeep Grand Cherokee L. I think they put all the chips that they had in the uh, in their uh, storage into the new Grand Cherokee, so no Wranglers. Gladiators are also off the menu now. Uh, and so, I don't know. Toyota just announced, of course, that they're cutting production by 40%. Oh, jeez. Now you so, can't even get a 4Runner. So I don't know if you can even get a 4Runner at this point. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, right now we're kind of just talking about vehicles that are
3: So we drove these Tacomas and these forerunners to the Overland Expo Mountain West. And the Overland Expo is basically a gathering of people in Birkenstocks who have tents on the top of their vehicles. (laughs) But in all seriousness, it is a very um, kind of large gathering of companies and enthusiasts that want to go out and showcase the latest and greatest in the off-road. There's now three of them. It started in Santa Fe. You know that. Camping World. Now there's one here. Santa Fe. I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, in New Mexico. I oh, no, not Santa Fe. Flagstaff. Things. Flagstaff. Flagstaff sorry, Flagstaff. Yeah, started in Flagstaff. Uh, we've been to that one like three times, right?
3: Yep, so there's Overland West, which is in Flagstaff. Overland East, which is, I don't know where it is. In this is this is Mountain West. Yeah, where is the East one? Do you know? It's somewhere on the East Coast.
2: Yes, and then Mountain um, West is the brand new one. I which think it's
3: in one of the Virginias okay mountain west is a brand new one which is in loveland colorado which is the one we went to right so uh the theme of this year was was double
2: no make a quadruple XL trucks
3: yes (laughs) like kenworth's and peterbilts and unimogs and oh f750s
2: oh my god Uh, God. yeah i mean it once uh, first uh, i shouldn't say that that's where it's going so there were a boatload of sprinters uh uh 4x4 mercedes vans right That, that was by far the most popular Except for, of course, the Tacoma. I, there's no doubt that the Tacoma is still the overlanding off-roader's go-to vehicle, whether it's lifted, whether it's got a tent on top of it, whether it's, you know, just stock, just everywhere were where, Toyotas. Then, of course, the van is next, the Mercedes Sprinter 4x4, right? Done up by Storyteller or one of the other dozen companies that basically lifts them and puts on bigger wheels and tires and winches and fenders and bumpers and racks and solar panels and then of course converts the inside to things like uh, Showers and beds and air conditioners, you know, it's, it's all there. It's 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 all very expensive, too
3: I feel like I didn't see that many Tacomas at this show
2: Oh, I, I did this walk around if you want to see a walk around go to TFL Off-road and
3: just count the number of Tacomas as I walk the expo But I feel like I saw more forerunners and God did I see a lot of Land Cruisers there's a lot of Land Cruisers. Yes. And uh, the new kid on the block, which I'm also seeing a ton of, are the Lexus GX. So uh, Tacomas are a little tricky because you have to outfit the, the bed with some kind of racks just to, to make it usable. Whereas a 4Runner or a Land Cruiser, you just start piling things on the roof and on the, uh, in the, into the so, trunk. So let's talk about trends and let's talk about kind of the hits and misses, the, the
2: favorites and the least favorite that I saw there. So I think the trend definitely that has now gone full-on
3: mainstream is a
2: rooftop tent.
3: Yes, it's been around for a while, but now it's everywhere, and they are getting ridiculously expensive. So I took a look at one last week, uh, a roof nest that was 4000 which I thought was crazy. But then you saw, you saw an expedition with a $19,000 rooftop tent, is that right? Yeah,
2: apparently it's a Longmont company, the local. The guy used to work at uh, Earth Roamer, uh, and now he's doing his own thing, and they're building these very expensive... I'm going to call them condominiums. He called them campers, rooftop campers. I think in 19K, it's a rooftop condo.
3: But it looked like a normal rooftop tent. That's uh, why I didn't believe you when you said it. And then people in the comments. It. Yeah. No, I know. But basically what it was, was a new Ford Expedition that was lifted and kitted out. And then apparently you had 19 grand worth of rooftop tent on this thing.
2: I expect like a composting toilet in there. I do not. <laughs> if, if I've got, if I'm spending 19K on a tent, I will not crawl down a ladder and use look, the bathroom.
3: it didn't look enormous. It just pivoted up at the back like every other roof.
2: We're going we're to call them and we're going to find out uh, what the scoop is on them.
3: Why it's a $19,000 rooftop tent? We okay. are. Okay. I we're think gonna, that'll be gonna, a good investigation. Do, a video.
2: I want to know. I, inquiring my, I want to know, dude. So those are everywhere. Those are ubiquitous. Whether they're, you know, our friends at uh, Roof Nest or some other company, uh, it's, it's, it's the go-to, like, thing right now. Uh, then the next huge trend, I have to say, are, like I said, those printer vans, whether... Whether they're built out by you know specific overlanding companies or whether
3: they're just stock, they're just everywhere. Um, I also will say this was kind of <laughs> kind of funny. There was a dealer that showed up, a Mercedes dealer, Loveland of
2: was Mercedes it, of Loveland. Was yeah. it
3: Mercedes of Loveland? Yes. Um, they and had like 20 vans. This was a bold move, so they show up to which is kind of cool. Like let, let's showcase a Mercedes dealer and you know show you my new. But then the vehicles they showed up with had um, prices on them, including market adjustments. Of like 10K. They were they were marking them up like 10 grand for a Sprinter van with and four-wheel they drive. They used to
2: import and reassemble them here in Charlotte. And now
3: they actually build them
2: at the factory. And I think they can't pump them out fast enough. But
3: like any respect I had for this dealer for showing up to an enthusiast uh, setup was kind of lost by the fact that they were marking the hell out of these vans. Hey, if
2: you're a dealer and you're doing market adjustments, um, I'm just telling you, you you might be making money in the short term, but you're burning your customer base in the long term. I know a lot of people who uh, come to us and they say they will refuse to buy a vehicle. They, they would rather buy... They would rather go out of state or they will rather buy a used vehicle than pay market adjustment. I'm just saying, if that if you think that that is your long-term business strategy, you're probably uh, not doing your business much good in the long term. Because, look, Tommy, what comes up is going to go down. We're sitting here right now, and, of course, we're seeing a lot of dealer shenanigans because vehicles are um, are unattainable. Uh, but I promise you, give it a few... Months, maybe a couple of years, and it's going to be the exact opposite' That'd be Broncos stacked up like cordwood, uh, and the dealers that are treating their customers right, treating them not like like shills, which is what, that's how i feel i'm sorry if, if I go a dealer and you've got a ten twenty thirty fifty seventy thousand dollar markup i'm just at that point i'm just a shill mm. i'm not your, i'm not a customer anymore i'm just some mark that you're going to try to squeeze for the most amount of money possible uh, and uh, and you know if you want to make me feel like you know like i'm some mark in some bad poker game uh, i promise you i will never visit that dealership again and i've heard that from a lot of people so yeah yeah going to an expo and marking up uh, your vehicles market adjustment i think is uh, very um, self-destructive in the long term
3: although you got to keep in mind too dealers don't have inventory and they got to feed their families too you know, if yeah, but you they're, can't making, sell more, they're making more money
2: now than ever because what they're selling are the vehicles that have the highest possible markups and they're selling them at full MSRP or over. So, so you know, uh, until recently, there has not been exactly a lot of tears shed for dealerships or car companies because what they've done is because there's no, much less competition, the consumers end up paying more for the vehicles that they're buying.
3: So moving on, we also saw a lot of solar panels. I noticed a lot of push toward onboard electricity and um, storage of batteries and waste power the batteries, which are typically going to be solar panels, that was a big deal. A lot of um, flatbeds too, so this is becoming a trend too. Um, pickup campers, like sliding campers into a pickup truck, but rather than just simply taking a big unit and sliding it into the bed of a truck, you remove the bed of the truck, you replace it with something like a uh, an aluminum flatbed. Like an Australian kind of and then Over, you overlanding, and the then deal. you build out basically a box on the back of your pickup as a camping
2: place. Now we, we we gotta wrap this up, Tommy, because we're running out of time. But let's let's talk about the hits and misses. So I'll talk about the the biggest hit I saw. A uh, GMC rolled out their kind of uh, overland y Uh, GMC um, Pickup truck, right? And I think they did a hell of a good job with it I just loved everything about that truck And once again, there's a video I don't want to go through what they did to it But basically lifted it, put bigger tires Better looking wheels Lockers. Lockers Lockers Awning Refrigerator, everything on it, uh, and that video is over at, is it? Is TFL it, Now. TFL Now, yeah, uh, or you can watch a walk around. Uh, better yet, just go to tfl-studios.com, and you'll see all the videos and all the stories in one place, and you can just watch that video. Uh, but, yeah, I think that was the hit of the show for me. I also actually got, for the first time, I got up close and personal with the uh, uh, Hummer, um, Electric truck, and I thought that that was pretty cool Um, It it has a lot of presence uh, and it seems to be a a really cool vehicle with a lot of new and interesting tech including the crab walk The miss for me was that uh, Roamer HD uh, Which was what was it a 750 Ford or 650 Ford that it was built
3: on? Yeah, so so Roamer takes an F 750 Ford I think it is I want to say the 750 and then power stroke and then they basically build out an entire Apartment complex in the back of it four-wheel drive, Uh, but this thing is massive. It's several million dollars I want to say I want to say to you. I don't know how much we should should Google it, but I'll
2: keep talking. Why don't you Google it? Okay, but it's it's such and then you know the the shocking part is you go on the inside and they've got such tasteful uh, design aesthetics right so granite slab counters kit you know a full-on like farm kitchen sink uh, they've got those uh rotary those called those uh, uh ther- thermostats that that are now uh web nests, enabled? nests nests uh you know beautiful beautiful appliances uh really beautiful tile in the bathroom just the most luxurious of all wood everything is aluminum beautiful and then they went and like uh rhino lined the entire truck and to me I hate Rhino lined vehicles because what that to me says is I didn't have enough money for diamond plate to cover the rust so I did it the cheap way by rhino coating it so why you would rhino line that thing I, I, and, and the color they rhino lined it in was this like like really like light blue goofy color which to me said uh, jelly-belly, not expensive. How much is it? Did you look it up? Okay,
3: it starts at $1.9 million. $2 million, there you go. Um, how do you change a
2: tire on that? How, how do you even change a
3: tire? Okay, so the reason I don't like it is because I just think it's uh, a little too overwrought, and I'm not sure that it really has a lot of capability with the extreme size that this vehicle is. Now, my hit of the show was uh, the fleet of Unimogs that a company called Couch Offered Engineering Yeah, friends.
2: we top, Andre's done some videos with them.
3: Yeah, they're out of... Um, uh, Colorado actually out east and By the airport. <laughs> they're pretty crazy. Like, I, I'm not into these big overwrought things, and once again, these are very expensive vehicles, but the Unimog is just such an insane piece of engineering with portal axles, 32 speeds forward, 32 speeds in reverse. They've got uh, mechanical-injected diesel engines, and then you can put whatever you want on the yeah, back. I, I mean,
2: and this this brings me to earth rumor. Why don't you just use that as your chassis? Get a, get a Unimog or get, like, a man, right? right. Yeah. Which is designed for that as opposed to this work. I mean, let's face it, an F650, f F550. These are work trucks. They probably, I. I they, they had the, they, first of all, they had it roped off so you couldn't go into it. You could just poke into it. Then they had it locked up so I didn't see the interior of the cab. But I'm guessing that this truck had, I mean, there is no uh, platinum version of an F750, right? Or a King Ranch. They had to probably go and replace everything inside that truck.
3: Yeah, they say that they put um, like a King Ranch interior into it. But anyways, I just think that the Unimog is a much more purpose-built, offered vehicle meant to tackle the most inhospitable parts of the world where an F750 is more of like a... I don't know, a utility contractor going to go fix a uh, some power lines. But the Earth Roamer is beautiful on the inside. It is larger on the inside than the it's Unimux. A, it's, it's, it's a moving van. You throw a big box on it, it becomes a moving van, right? <laughs> yeah, but this is four-wheel drive. I mean, it is real four-wheel drive. It's got, I don't know how many gallon tank, but it's got to be hundreds. And then of course it's fully kitted out on the inside. But um so the other hit of mine was the Honda booth had the new Honda Trail, one twenty five.
2: Yeah, we gotta get our
3: Honda, please send
2: us one. Please, I'm begging. We need to get that thing. That's such a cool little bike. We wanna feature it on our bike channel we want to do a little bit of dirt trail riding with it before the snow falls i can't wait to get my hands on it once again unobtainium you can't buy them you can't get them so this is an
3: old school honda trail that they've reinvented for 2021 very cool little bike hugely popular at the show too uh, it's funny, they had Harley Boost with the new um, Pan America, right? The new off-road machine. They also had um, Yamaha. And Nathan, also, Tommy. They also had Yamaha <laughs> with some really cool off-road bikes, but the trail was a hit of the motorcycle show. So... I think that brings us to the end of the show. Yeah, thank you guys for uh, listening, and thank you guys for watching. If you're watching
2: this on YouTube, remember, go to tfl-studios.com if you want to see all the videos, podcasts, all in one place. Thank you once again to Tim and the Ronald McDonald House for making our Bronco possible. Uh, and we've got a couple of big things coming up. Like I said, we're taking that Forerunner. Uh, uh, we're comparing it to the Bronco up Imaging. That's today. Uh, so we got a long drive ahead of us, Tommy. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to be going to Flagstaff to the Expo. So we'll be there as well. So if you're going to be there, look for us. We'll bring you some some sickers. We'll hand out sickers. We're going to be there just walking around like the rest of you checking out the latest overlanding gear. All right. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Ciao. Let's hit the road, dude. Do you drive the... Uh, am I driving the Bronco or are you driving the 4Runner?
3: We'll fight it out.
2: We're going to fight for it. All right. See you guys. Ciao.